Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA. MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand, on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Talking sports, uh. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. It's steamy out there, so come join us and talk some sports. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it is a Friday in May, the last Friday in May, getting ready to get to Memorial Day, so get your barbecues ready. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, today at gmail.com. You want to shoot us some email talking about these playoffs and the Stanley Cup finals are set up. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, also RayandTayToday.com. We're here for you, like always, talking sports with friends. Like I said, we'll talk about the hockey, the basketball, some baseball. But starting off the field first, Ray, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And... I want to get with the tennis first because it's the French Open and Rafael Nadal is out. How bad was champion, French Open I, champion. Well, that's why, you know, I didn't know he'd be hurt, but that's why I said I'm sticking with the Joker no matter what. And now the field is just opening up with him for him with Federer gone and now Nadal. Uh, what's happening out there, Ray? So, Rafael Nadal's been dealing with knee problems for most of his career. Clay, as you know, is his surface, and that's his tournament, the French Open. Nine-time champion, but left wrist. You can't play without your left wrist, especially if you're left-handed. And the funny thing is, Nadal's actually right-handed by birth, but his father and his coach, he was playing soccer and tennis, he switched him to be a lefty. So I figured the South Pole would have some advantages. Uh, I like how yeah, so Tay batted lefty in Little League Baseball, like that? Even though Tay's a <laughs> yeah, like Exactly, <laughs> like that. So he's got uh, you know, a soft cast on his left wrist, and like you said, uh, it opens it up. Now, Stan Wawrinka right. beat him last year in the finals. Um, so obviously he's got to stay away from uh, you know complacency when it comes to Stan the man, the Swiss, yeah. uh, you know. The Swiss tennis player, but yeah, you got to think this opens it up for uh, Novak Djokovic to win his first French Open and to complete his career Grand Slam. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. We'll be watching that the Indy 500 this weekend. You know, a lot, a lot of good uh, sporting events that that go on the end of May. Um, but we got to talk about some sad stuff. The the Baylor football. I almost want to call it a tragedy because it is when you have multiple women alleging or accusing football players of sexual assault and you've got a police department and you've got a coach an AD and a president all ignoring it. And even threats to a woman or a woman and her family um, 
which this report came out from, I guess, the independent uh, lawyer, Hamilton or something from Pennsylvania. It is so damning. Now, look, Bryles is suspended, and I guess he's officially going to be gone sometime soon. The other guys were demoted. Um, I, I don't understand how everybody is not gone because, to me, this is – if the head coach is just your fall guy – when this was bigger than the head coach, right? The head coach is just, he's there to go into parents' living rooms, right, Ray, and say, hey, I'll take care of your kid, and yada, yada, and I kind of have to, you know, be the boss of 100 kids. But at the same time, you're talking about a university, and so these complaints are not just filed, like, in a, you know, to the, go to the coach. This is a school situation. So that means president, AD, everyone. So star needs to go. The president needs to go. I mean, what, what are you thinking is eventually going to happen? Because I got to believe at a Christian university, people are going to start to pull their money and people are not going to be happy or accept only the head football coach who just helped them build that new $250 million stadium and had what, uh, out of his last eight years, four or five, 10 win seasons when they never had that before in its hundred year history, you know, you can't just get rid of him. Yeah, they had four 10-win seasons, and they hadn't had one in 100 years before that. So, and is it okay that his nephew – wait, his son and son-in-law are the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach, but the defensive coordinator, Bennett, is the interim head coach. I mean, can is it okay that they stay? I understand continuity, but uh, were these guys in on knowing things, especially his you know, son-in-law and son? I, it's kind of fishy. Uh, a little bit fishy. Yeah, don't know. You know, I can't say mm-hmm. for sure. But what I will say is this. Ugh. This whole college situation has to change. Yeah. Um, I'm tired of it. I'm simply tired of it because these athletes get away with craziness. And these kids are, in general, good kids. But they're walking mm-hmm. around these campuses and getting away with, stuff that just is unacceptable now they're enabled right they're enabled since you know junior high and high school and i actually take have a different approach because i think baylor's just going to sweep it under the rug they're going to try to anyway they're going to have the coach be the the scapegoat and then they're just going to let him go but you're right the administration if nothing else, the administration needs to have a mechanism in place to report these things. And by the way, somebody said it best on Twitter. I think I was reading somebody. When somebody alleges something as egregious and as you know, damning as rape, your first call is to the police. You're not equipped to handle this. You're not law enforcement. You're not anything. Your first call is to the police. If that is an alleged crime, like if there's a murder, if there's a robbery, if there's an assault, your first call is to the police. That's what they do. That's their business. That's what law enforcement does. Your first call is not to your boss, is not to your AD, is not to the PR, is not, it's to the police. You know what I mean? This is this whole thing has to change. So yeah. But what about when the police are like coming back to you saying, "What should we do?" Instead of doing their job, they're like, "Well, that's a whole other story, and that's 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 an issue too. That is an issue." Because that's what happened here. The police were no better, right? (laughs) Let's be real. 
know. Yeah, so so I'll I'll definitely that that's for another episode, right? <laughs> but this this is just not right. What's happening here? Uh, right, but, and it doesn't stop in Baylor. Let's not be Pollyanna about this. Ole Miss is now putting self sanctions on themselves. There's more to come. The you know the Tunsil accusations about getting money for you know some bills paid for his mom. Uh, issues with recruiting, I guess, him and, and Kandichi and all these guys. So I don't know. Um, I didn't get to check on the sanctions. I don't know if it's just a bowl ban for this year, but evidently a lot is coming Ole Miss's way too, right? So, you know, and I've we've all heard the rumors about Ole Miss, and I've heard, you know, rumors that there might be one or two SEC schools. So I don't know if it's just Ole Miss that have got a lot of stuff going on. But it's uh, it's sloppy, 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 and 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 you know we've got to do better for all the young female students. How can parents send their daughters away to college and feel safe and secure? You're paying to further their careers, their education, their experiences, and you have to be worried about fraternities, football, lacrosse, basketball, soccer, all these male athletes who at their schools can basically get away with doing things to people's daughters because they are athletes or fraternities or rich, and none of that is acceptable. None of it. Disgusting. I agree. So... We move on. Let's talk some more positive stuff. We got hoops. Lots to talk about because the draft's coming up. Before we get to the, you know, the actual playoffs, let's talk about the all-NBA teams and the, the draft. Real quick, the Sixers, and D'Antoni too, but the Sixers are talking about exploring trade options for Okafor and Noel, possibly maybe even packaging the 24th and 26th pick. What do you think these guys are worth? Does anybody want Okafor and Noel, or am I saying saying it in an unfair way? What value could they get? I mean, could they get a, a top lottery pick if you package some of these guys or both these guys? Possibly. Look, Okafor was number six, and Noel was number two. So these guys were clearly no, number, was number three. Two. Yeah, Okafor was two, and Noel was six. What did I say? Noel was six. Yeah, I, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Noel was yeah. six, and Okafor was actually three, right? D'Angelo Russell went two, and then Okafor went three. So if you go on the market, can you get a three and a six back for them? Maybe no. not. So their stars is kind of falling a little bit. But don't you think they want a veteran, Ray, not like another young kid in a weak draft? Like, to me, I would no, say this. of course. Right? I, I'd From say 100%. Kindness, right. Because Colangelo, the father and the son, right, they know that, okay, if, if, if Embiid and Sarek are coming in and Simmons, that's our front line, we've got to fix our backcourt. Let's see if we can package Okafor and Noel or Okafor in the 24th pick. Let's get a guard. Now, Let's, this guy's about to sign to a big contract, but – would Okafor get you a Bradley Beal? Okafor in the 24 for Bradley Beal? 
Or do you think Bradley Beal's accomplished so much in this league? I think Washington's already first. offered him the five-year max. I think that that's uh, – I was explaining it to my son because he's like, Dad, is he worth the max? And I said, well, it's not the max that LeBron gets because it's later on in his career. It's the you know, second contract five-year max, which I don't know what that will be with this new you know, accelerated uh, salary cap. But um, if you get rid of Beal, who's the starting two guard for the Wizards? So you can't just replace a Beal because if he's healthy, he's a top five to seven two guard. So for Jeff Teague and something else? You know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll definitely get into this more as we get closer to the draft. But I'll just say this. I could see them, you know, maybe saying, oh, would Phoenix want these veterans? And we give Phoenix Okafor, Noel, and the 24th pick since they want, you know, more front court help. They don't have a power forward. Maybe they'll give us the number four pick because Phoenix got a bunch of picks. You know, maybe they would, uh, you know, take a pick or two and a veteran for the number four pick, and Philly would have, you know, one and four. That could be interesting. Uh, who knows? We'll see how it plays out. Dan Tony with the Rockets. Ray, how do you feel about that? We've talked about it. You know, we're going to get into Harden not making all NBA team for the first time in a year or two, um, even though we still had him ranked as our first best shooting guard. And it's close, right? Because we were right there with Clay. But is this a match made in heaven, or does he need to really reconstruct this roster before you could say, D'Antoni and Harden, let's go? Again, I come back to the neighborhood in which they play. Uh, they're not an elite team. They're going to be a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed, whoever their coach is, whether it's J.B. Bickerstaff, Kevin McHale, or Mike D'Antoni. I don't think this makes them an elite team. I mean, barring any crazy free agency, like if, if Durant goes to the East and you know whatever, uh, these other teams fall apart. So to me – Houston's got a roster issue. Not only that, but D'Antoni's always had shooters, and we talked about this a little bit. D'Antoni's always had shooters, and he really, other than Harden, he really doesn't have any pure shooters on that team. So how is he going to run his offense, his perimeter-based offense, without any shooters? Trevor Reza's not. You're saying you don't like Ariza and and K.J. McDaniels and and Jason Terry? (laughs) I don't like. Well, Jason Terry, believe it or not, is an outstanding shooter. He's just at the end of his career. He's, what is he, yeah. third all-time in three-point field goals made in the NBA. But, you know, he can't play more than 15, 20 minutes a game. So, yeah, I, they have a roster issue. So, you know, D'Antoni, to me, shakes it up a little bit. You know, I didn't like D'Antoni. I didn't like him in L.A. I didn't like him in New York. I loved him in Phoenix because he was, he was able to build his system in Phoenix, and, and they they went so far. But – you know, Houston's not really relevant, and especially if Dwight Howard leaves, they're not really relevant. Uh, they need free agents to make them relevant. Otherwise, they're a, they're a, you know, a six to ten seed in the West, one and done. So, don't matter who their coach is, they need a new roster. So, do you like? It looks like the job, the Memphis job, was offered to the Miami Heat assistant uh, Fisdale. I don't know if he, I haven't heard if he's taking it or not, but. I don't know much about him except that, you know, people do like him. you think that's a, a good hire or what? I suppose, again, I don't know much about him either, but he kind of yeah. went up in the Eric Spolster ranks. 
So just like Eric Spolster, I think his dad and his mom were NBA people, and he was the video editor guy, and then Pat Riley kind of took him under his wing. So it looks like he did the same thing to this guy, and, you know, he's getting a shot. I I don't know much about him, so I can't say that, you know, should he be getting a shot above a Brian Shaw, above like a Nate McMillan finally got his, you know, chance to coach again. But it took a while. Nate McMillan's star was high four or five years ago. It's bright. So I don't know. You're giving a new guy a shot. That's okay. I think there's some qualified guys out there. You know, we keep talking about also what about a Mark Jackson and a Jeff Van Gundy and some veteran coaches. The interesting thing is, and, you know, you give props to ESPN. They started their uh, new site, uh, Undefeated. It's uh, from an African-American point of view, talking sports and some race and culture. But Mike uh, Wilbon had a great article talking about, you know, analytics and it being sort of a new construct or a new way to maybe isolate African-American head coaches who are former players who kind of do the, you know, eye test. And, yes, everybody uses numbers. And, you know, people pointed out that, you know, Mike Woodson and, and you know, Drew, other guys have used analytics, but they just – don't believe in it the way that some of these other coaches are and that now we're down to only seven African American coaches in the NBA and this analytic language is going to sort of start to isolate them being hired with jobs and you saw it in this all season like you said Nate McMillan was the only guy hired and he was hired by Larry Bird who's an old school 80s player who's like you know, I'm a player. I don't, you know, I don't feel I'm not all about analytics. So I think that, you know, Wilbon had a great article. I don't know if you checked it out, but it's, it's something that, you know, definitely I think has got some validity to it. And I wonder how it's all going to play out because, you know, I, I think to me, we got to be at a place where we shouldn't be going backwards and it should be about who's the best coach, not, you know, who kind of, looks like me or talks my language, whatever that language is, you know, baseball too, no minority coaches. Right. I mean, I mean, two African-Americans and no Latino coaches. So I I don't know. Right. Well, let's see how it plays out. Right. We're speculating a lot. Let's see what happens. You know, this guy, uh, Fisdale looks like he's a, uh, he's a candidate. He's African-American. So, you know, I hear you with the with the money ball approach, but uh, let, let's see how, how this whole thing pans out. I mean, don't know yet if there's going to be an impact. We'll, we'll know in the next year or two as a lot of these coaches start turning over, and then you're going to have two camps, right? You're going to have the, the money ball camp, and you're going to have the, the uh, you know, traditional camp. But most of it is at the GM level. I feel like coaches don't yet subscribe to it feel like coaches are still old school. They're like, look, I did 20, 30 years of... Oh, Jaeger, right? Jaeger, like, like, Steve, like Stephen A. Smith said, Jaeger didn't even have time to fart and he got a new job. <laughs> well, he shouldn't have been fired in the first place, though. Right, right, but he didn't do better than Lionel Holland. And well, Lionel yeah, Holland, I mean, Lionel Holland never lost that Memphis job. A full year, know? yeah. No, that's he for sure. The Memphis job. So, well, let's get to a man... Last night, what happened, happened. We expected it. But was it a loss that was almost a win because of how good OKC played and was still in the game with having no points from waiters, 
having, you know, very little from uh, Cantor. Adams didn't do as much. And then you had Morrow with 10 points. And they still had a shot to win the game. That, to me, would not be a big boost for the Warriors going back to OKC. I thought OKC showed themselves really well last night. And I would have a lot of confidence going back home to finish the series. What do you think about the game? See, I, I think we're beyond that. I think these are the two best teams in the West, and, you know, throw San Antonio in there too. Uh, it, it all comes down to game six because I really think that uh, whoever wins game six, obviously, if it's, the, if it's the Thunder, they win the series. But I think the Warriors might win the series too if they win game six. So it comes down to one game. It comes down to execution. These two teams know each other. I don't think that there's moral, you know, victories here. Uh, the Warriors are the defending champs, so they've been through the robes. These guys, you know, at least the core of uh, Ibaka and um, Westbrook and Durant went to a finals where they were up 2-0. Oh, no, they won the first game, sorry. And then uh, LeBron Wade and those guys won the next four. So there's no – the moral victories, it's all about winning games at this point, right? This isn't this isn't either team's first rodeo at this point. So you're 100% right that Oklahoma City showed out and, and they did well and their confidence is sky high. But I think ultimately doesn't matter. I think it comes down to execution. Who's going to hit shots? Russell Westbrook can't right. have seven turnovers. Uh, too many turnovers. So you saw the start of the fourth, Ray, where the baskets were Iguodala – Livingston, Livingston, Barnes, uh, Bogut, you know, most space. Like, well, Bogut's 15 and 14 to me is probably the most huge. important statistic of the game because Definitely. that means that if Bogut's but playing he like that, that – He hasn't done that in a long time. He hasn't done that, you know, since Milwaukee. No, let me stop. <laughs> uh, he – He's a he's a force when he's healthy and when he's you know engaged. But the thing is, you got to keep him on a short leash. So I think game six, anything can happen. I think it might be small ball. It might be, you know, bogey. It might be who knows. I think it's going to be a chess match, and I think the the, the coaches are going to try every four minutes or so are going to try something new because I think it's desperation on both sides. Steve Kerr, you like that? Steve Kerr went with the zone. Hey, you gotta try. You gotta try something, right? You gotta try everything and anything. Remember that? Did you see that whole thing about Steve Kerr or not Steve Kerr about uh, Steph Curry? Is he a good defender? And Russell Westbrook was laughing, and <laughs> they made a big I, deal of it. But look, was, I think that was hilarious. Well, because yeah, you know I what think, it is—the meat. No, no. But this is where I get tired of the media, right? Because you know they're trying to like find ways to give Curry credit for some great defense. And just because you lead the league in steals, and we all know, that doesn't mean you're a great defender. It means that you're good at anticipating and you, you, know, you attack the passing lanes and you're aggressive. But Curry never sticks the other team's point guard. He doesn't stick Russell. They put Clay on Russell. They put Green, Iguodala on Russell. So, you know, I mean, I, I'd laugh too because we all know, and anybody that plays ball, Curry's not some great defender. And he's no, not. No, and Allen Iverson was the same way. He led the league yeah. in steals a few times. He, he he cheats a lot, you know. You yeah. play center field, you play cornerback, you cheat. And that's so, what the yeah. steals kind of mean, you know what I mean? It, it's uh, So that's right. why I don't mind Westbrook laughing because he's like, uh, no, nah, I, I play defense, homie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. But let me ask you this. This is where I was saying about those guys, like on the road, I don't know, you know, just, you know, last night when we were talking – 
we were like, oh, Barnes. And then he kind of stepped up and hit, you know, two big threes and hit a couple shots last night. But in this series, you haven't seen much from on the road, Livingston, Mo Spades, you know, Bogut for the whole series, Azili. So I wonder, are they ready to sort of step up and will it, or are they going to base the whole game on Clay, Curry, and, and Draymond? Because back in OKC, I believe Waiters, uh, Robeson's been playing great. You know, you'll probably get He's more. He's a from- key, too. If you can get offense from him and you're not oh. going four on five, that's, that's great. pretty important. But now Murrow, because I think he earned playing time. So that, that you know, because remember, he hasn't played before last night. So his, like, great shooting, when Kerr went to the zone, immediately your boy was like, Donovan was like, okay, I'm going to put in Morrow. And, hey, he hit some big-time shots. So now he might earn some playing time back at home. And that spaces the court, you know, even more. You know, he could take minutes from Randy Foy. I think it's over. I, this is what I predicted. So I'm not saying it just because I predicted it. But it's gone exactly how I thought. And – so I said OKC okay, in six, and and I think it goes down tomorrow night. It's over. So I'm going to take the other side, and I'm going to say, whenever you play a team that can shoot, anything can happen, and they can get blown out if they miss their shots, and they can blow you out if they're making their shots. And I just feel that they're going to come out, and Draymond Green's going to play his game. If they get production from Bogut, then I think that the the outside combination of Livingston, Barnes, Igudala, and, of course, the Splash Brothers is just going to be hot. They're going to hit 23s, and they're just going to be on fire. And they're bringing this game, this game back, game seven back to Oakland on Monday night. I just feel wow. like they're going to have a tremendous shooting game. They really <laughs> haven't had one, uh, you know, so far. Well, that's because that OKC defense is very good, right? The OKC defense is is excellent. But I just feel like with Bogut contributing down low and the wings starting to play better, I think it's going to space it out a little bit for Steph and Clay, and they're going to have one of those nights where they just shoot and shoot and shoot and hit it well. So I got them winning. I got them winning in a a high-scoring game six, and I think they bring it back to Oakland for game seven. Okay. Well, let's go to the East. The East is in the house. Oh, my God. To the East. To the East. The Raptors looked disgusting, depressing, demoralized. <laughs> How do you say delicious? I mean, they. You know, <laughs> there was no groove in their heart. It was embarrassing. Um, and every time in Cleveland, that's what happens. So twice in the regular season in Toronto, Toronto won. Twice in the playoffs in Toronto, Toronto has won. But I feel like Love has got his swag back, his confidence, which I've been saying as long as you keep going to him and he's involved, you can't beat the Cavs. What happens tonight? Can Toronto stay alive? Or does LeBron say, stop it, give you a triple-double, and it doesn't even matter how much love and the other boys do. LeBron just says, I'm good for one game, game over, series over. See, I think it does matter what love – where is the love? So I think it absolutely matters because LeBron is getting 
I don't know his numbers for this for the series, but let's call it twenty his career right? numbers. It's like twenty six right, eight and eight. No, but twenty six eight and eight is is you know fantastic. So LeBron oh, will is. do that. Yeah, he hasn't been scoring that much. What is happening though? I think LeBron is a little too unselfish, and at least in Toronto. You know, we saw a couple of plays where even if they end up in threes, I think they're the wrong play. So if LeBron gets the ball in the block, and let's say he's got Kyle Lowry on him or DeMar DeRozan or even Carroll, and he's five feet from the basket, go up and put the ball in the basket. Don't pass it to J.R. Smith for a wide-open three because I don't care because that's a 40% shot, 35% shot. Right, go back to being 11 for 13. Yeah, exactly. You five feet from the basket is a 70% shot, and you might even get a three-pointer. So, to me, that's where LeBron has to be more aggressive. And and I get in the open court, and I get in the half-court, you know, sets, balls. When you have the advantage, when you're 6'8", 245, 250, whatever you are, you have to take advantage of your physical prowess. And I think LeBron does that. I think that he still needs that third shooter, that third scorer in Kevin Love. And once Love gets going, I think it opens it up for everybody. And I think they finally win against Toronto in the T.O. So pull away in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Yeah, pull away. I think it's over. I, I think they went by seven to ten points tonight. I think Love gets over. I think all the big three all get over twenty, and um, and I think they'll be ready. And you know, hey, I, I think it's going to be KD and Westbrook, and if you want to say Adams as their big three against Love, Kyrie, and LeBron. And how has Serge Ibaka just kind of disappeared? Well. You know, he. I don't know if he. Ha- I'll tell you this. He's just, just become a role this. player. He used to be the third of the big three. I know. Do you realize the starting lineup for the Thunder had 38 rebounds, six or more from all five starting starters for the OKC? You cannot beat them on the glass. I mean, it, you know, and, and I love it. Durant on the humble, 40 points, seven rebounds. Russell on the humble, 31, seven rebounds, eight assists. These guys are, are amazing. So, but Durant took note, 31 shots, though. So, oh, oh no, know, for a guy who's typically an efficient scorer, that's a lot of shots. No, that's why they needed, right? They needed more from Abaka and Cantor and Adams. They didn't get Cantor going when he played, and, and Waiters was a, a complete no-show. They were lucky to get what they got from, um, you know, Morrow and stuff. And Roberson only took five shots. They want him to take, you know, more if he's going to be in the game. But he got in some foul trouble, so... You know, I mean, look, he, what he, he fouled out. I mean, he was sticking on Curry. So he wound up with that sixth foul. And that last foul was a dumb foul. You know, he didn't need to do that. So he was just being so aggressive and uh, put him to the line. But let's talk about the all-NBA teams, you know. Um, the first team, which, you know, not really any surprises except for the fact that you have to have a center. Because vote-wise, it, it was – Curry, Westbrook, um, LeBron, Leonard, and then at center, DeAndre Jordan. But in terms of votes, Draymond Green was had the fifth amount of votes. So you and I might not have put DeAndre at the first team. I would have gone with DeMarcus. Are you okay with DeAndre? 
thought he had a great season, though. He was definitely dominant. But Well, he was first-team you know. all-defense, so that probably put him over the top. But you're right. Yeah. I put Boogie Cousins. If you're going to choose a center, I put Boogie Cousins in there. Yeah, definitely. And um, then the second team, you know, <laughs> you can't argue with any of these guys. The second team was just as explosive with Durant, Draymond Green, Boogie Cousins, and then the guards, our guy, CP3, and Dane dropping dimes Lillard. That is great. And that shows you the powers of the point guards because that pushed Clay all the way to third team, and he was the, you know, top shooting guard. And Draymond, so the, and, uh, and our guy, James Harden, who we thought should have won MVP last year, didn't make one first, second, or third team All-NBA. Exactly. The third team. PG-13, Paul George, Marcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond, who you know I've been banging a drum for, 13 center, and then Clay and Kyle Lowry, your, your, your guy. Good for Kyle. Kyle Lowry. You know what? Yeah. I still would have put James Harden above Kyle Lowry. Yeah. I just, even though I totally. love some Kyle Lowry, and he's a, he's an integral part of that team, and you know he is the 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 engine. But James that, had what? What do we say? Twenty nine, seven and eight, or twenty eight, seven and eight, or seven and six? I mean, come on, that's, that's absurd. Yeah. Even it's uh, defense. <laughs> I, the one thing I will say though is the subtle undertone, which which I don't think anybody's really talking about, is how your team did. Right, Lamarcus Aldridge statistically shouldn't be on the first, second, or third team. Uh, He's only there because Blake was hurt, though, Ray. Let's be fair. That's true, but I'm saying they rewarded team success. DeAndre Jordan, you're right. Boogie Cousins should have been there. Andre Drummond should have been there. But you know what? DeAndre Jordan, because his team did so well, got the benefit of the doubt. So I think a lot of these voters probably, if if there was a tie, you know, tie goes to the runner in baseball. The tie goes to the guy whose team did better. And James Harden had a rough start of the season, and the Rockets were so disappointing, and some would say luckily got into the eighth seed, and, and, and Harden did not look good. He put up stats, but he did not have a, a look good type season. So, you know, that's it with the, with, the, with the NBA, and, you know, watch the games this weekend. It's going to be fun. Let's talk about it. Game seven. Stanley Cup Finals is set. The Penguins survive and take down the Lightning. So, Tay had that right. Ray had the Sharks, who took care of the Blues in six games. The Stanley Cup Final, right, you say final, is the Penguins against the Sharks. I believe the Penguins have home ice. Who's going to win this series, Ray? This is a good one. It is. And this is the first one for Sid the Kid, correct? No, no, no. He's got a, he's got a title. He's he's uh, he's good. Oh, they um, won in um. What was that? Oh, not oh nine. Uh, like three, four, twelve or eleven? Yeah. So they've got home ice, Pittsburgh. The games start on Monday. Yeah. Um, sorry, not on Monday. They start on uh, Sunday. Sorry. Oh, Sunday. 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 First. No. Monday, sorry, 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 sorry. Monday, Wednesday. Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, yeah. and then they skip Memorial. to Saturday to go back to San Jose. They start Memorial Day. Uh, it's a good matchup. 
you know, San Jose's got the got the two Joes. They got Thornton and Pavelski, and they've been playing well. The goalie's been playing great. Mm-hmm. Um, that line, uh, obviously, when you put Malkin and Crosby together, and then you've got some help on that line. There's been there's been so inconsistent in Pittsburgh, but they always find a way to win. So I might have to lean towards the Penguins and say that despite the uh-huh. fact that I wrote them off in a couple of rounds, they uh-huh. always seem to come back. You coming and back home? You coming back home to the East Coast? Yeah, I might have to I might have to say Now that this is the Sharks first final, right? This is the Sharks' first time in the finals and okay. I don't know if they're ready I don't know if they're ready either. Take it. They're very up and down. Yeah. They're very up and down. So what do you? What's your pick? Penguins and what? You know what? I'm gonna say it's a relatively easy series. In fact, I'm gonna say Penguins in five. Ooh, I thought you were going there. I gotta go Penguins in six, just because of how well the goalies been playing for San Jose and Thornton has been on fire. And San Jose, the one thing about them that we saw against the Blues. They can win on the road. No fear. No Nathan, nothing. No fear at all. So that's yeah, going to be fascinating. Yeah, the Penguins Cup was in 09, by the way, just to. That's what I see. So it was a while ago. Come on, man. Yeah, Sid the Kid was uh, was a young pup. Now he's, uh, you know, he's probably still the best player in the game, but he's, uh, you know, he's a little older now. Oh, I don't know if he's the best player in the game anymore. I think he still is. I think if you look deep down in your heart, Sidney Crosby's still the best player in the game. Better than Ovechkin, really? Yeah, just because of what he does on both. You know, he plays the power play, defends. He's he's the man. Yeah, Sid the Kid is the man. Okay, well, he, he's got to consistently play like the man. He's been kind of... Well, yeah, he's been hurt. Yeah. That doesn't help. No, it definitely doesn't help. But, listen, they were able to get through the Lightning, and the Lightning, you know, had their injuries and, you know, fought down. to the Lightning, right? Steve Stamkos no, does come back in Game not. 7. But to lose your captain, your goalie, a defenseman, to do all of that and to be within a hair of the Stanley Cup Finals and you went to the Finals last year, good for them. They they did a great job. You, you, you can't uh, – you can't hate on them, you know what I mean? Like that, to me, that was impressive. So we'll see what happens. We both got the Penguins, you know. I'm going to take it in, in, in six, and you're going to take it in five, and either way, Lord Stanley will be decided. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Uh, oh, right, the, the baseball, man. Listen, what's happening right now is crazy with – Basically, so much in the regular season where people want to change the strike zone they're talking about. They are, you know, the unwritten rules are getting out of hand. We just had the Pirates throwing at the Diamondbacks in that series. Diamondbacks did not retaliate. Uh, the, you know, Tony LaRusso was going crazy in the booth with the Pirates broadcasters. I don't know if you heard about that. Um, something. I really, and I said this to you off air, man, somebody's going to really get hurt. And that's, that's, it's, it's not going to be pretty. And then there's going to be something bad. And then there'll be this drastic change. But to just say, oh, these guys police themselves, it's always been happening. But right now they're hypersensitive. 
I mean, they're throwing at guys for like nothing. You know, it's too, it's, it's too much. It's too much, Rex. And um, the Giants keep rolling. They're 30 wins. You know, this weekend, there should be some, some good baseball, some good series. The Cubs are rolling with 32 wins. And we got to give props and both officially say, I'm sorry to the Phillies. Now, look, they're, they're not in, you know, they're in third place. But at 26 and 21 or 26 and 22, Ray, how impressed are you with the Phillies and, and these young guys? How, they, how are they doing it? Because they got some young players that are going off. So I thought Philly and Atlanta would just be terrible. Atlanta is terrible. It's terrible. And they are terrible, terrible. <laughs> They've got 12 wins. And along with the Minnesota Twins, they have the worst record in baseball. The Houston Astros, who started awfully, uh, were in that category. But they've actually they got 20 wins. So they're waking up a little. 20 and 28. They're waking up a little bit. The good thing for them, they're only, quote-unquote, only nine games behind the Mariners. The Mariners aren't quite running away with the division as of yet. Uh, but the Philadelphia Phillies, man, you know, I, I give them credit. It's a little bit in smoke and mirrors because you look at, at how they're doing it, and some of it is just good fortune, right? They're not really great pitching, and they're pretty bad offensively. Well, Herrera's leading them at 327, so that's not bad. Yeah, but you look at their runs scored, and they're right Right, at the bottom of the league in runs scored. So I think, you know, if I look quickly scanning Major League Baseball – they're last in runs scored. So these guys Franco's can't score. Franco's got eight home runs. The third baseman, Franco's got eight home runs. Um, yeah, but they're just – it's just timely, timely No, scoring. no, you're right. That's what I'm saying. They're not – I mean, those aren't great stats. Eight home runs and then, you know, 26 ribbies, you know, but at least it's coming from your third baseman and your outfielder who are giving you, you know, some offensive, you know, uh, punch – per se, but um, it seems like it's just Herrera and Franco. I mean, nobody else is doing anything. Yeah, it's too bad that they play in the NL East and they got to deal with the Nats and the Mets because this 26 and 22, you know, in another division could be, you know, 30 and 18. No, um, you're right. But they're in in rebuild mode, and like we said, what do you do with Brian Howard? Yeah, so they have a couple more decisions to make, but but good to see that Philly hasn't completely cratered like the uh, Braves are doing. And then and then the Braves get a suspension, eighty-two game suspension. Um, so that that's terrible. And but this hot prospect, the lefty for the Dodgers, is up today. But they hit him already, Julio Urias. Ur- 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 oh yeah. Yeah, he's playing against the Mets tonight, and uh, we'll see if this lefty is the next Fernando Valenzuela. But oh, everybody's hyped. Slow your roll, slow your roll. <laughs> ah, nobody's Fernando. Fernando uh, mania. Listen, the good, the good old, you know. They, I guess, how could we explain it, right? For young kids, like go just Google him, watch him pitch, watch him, watch Luis Tion pitch, former Red Sox, but for. Fernando was a rock star, but he also was a legit pitcher. It wasn't just that he was some, you know, Latin pitcher in a game that wasn't so Latin at the time and da-da-da-da-da. He, I mean, he brought it and had his flair, and it was just, it was great. It was fun, and, um, 
Yeah, you know, the the old school, right? Goose gossage with the old school talk and, you know, whatever. I laugh because with the, with the basketball, same thing. Your boy, Oscar Robinson, was getting on Draymond Green after now, before getting on Curry. It seems like the old cats are pretty ornery, right? You know, and, and a lot of people have been saying, Oscar, slow your roll because you didn't win nothing until you played with Lou Cinder. <laughs> so, that's true. Out, you know? No, listen, anyway, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's funny, man. Guys get very, uh, you know, my era, my era. But the pressure is on Golden State because guess what? 73 and 9 means nothing because the Bulls at 72 and 10 won it all, and they won three years in a row. So Warriors. Yeah, but I could argue the, the pressure's on the war on the uh, Thunder too, though. If the Thunder lose at home and then they lost two in a row and have to win in Oakland on Monday night. It's a lot of pressure. People are going to say they choked, and then people are going to say, "What happens if you lose? Or is that going well, to break Durant up? Might is be going to yeah, leave? Might. You know." So I think he would say, teams. "No matter what, he'll re up for one more year and bring the band back together." I he think should. It's a rational move. Yeah, great show. Enjoy Memorial Day weekend. Get you, you know, grill some uh, veggies. Maybe so, you know, if you want a nice, uh, you know. Uh, a, a kosher hot dog, a nice, uh, you know, good hot dog, and uh, your burgers and, and all the good stuff, and uh, have a great Memorial Day weekend. And we might have a game seven on Monday. So that would Ray be great. Ray and Tay will be on Monday no matter what, because we'll have some, something to talk about and the finals preview. Either way, the finals begin June 2nd, correct? I think it's Thursday. June 2nd. Thursday, June 2nd. So enjoy. Have a great sports weekend. And like always, thanks for listening. Ow. Ow. Ah, and happy birthday to the truth. Third, uh, seven. <laughs>